My friends, our sermon series concludes today in our search for what is true, what is true about me and about you, and acknowledging everything that we have discussed and everything that we've learned in recent weeks about ourselves, about our God, even about the Reformation, we can see that there's always some reforming, some renewing left on our part. So in our cooperative work with God, we reform and renew our mind and our body. And today we're gonna see how our spirit needs refreshing, renewing in Christ. This kind of action or renewing is nothing that we can do alone. It's not by our own power. It's not something I can somehow do on my own might. We need to be in Christ for this transformation to occur. So let's pray and we'll begin. Powerful, mighty God, I pray that you will work in us and through us, that you will speak to us in your holy scripture. I pray that your Holy Spirit will move among us and stir us in our very souls. I pray that we will see Jesus and that we will be compelled to share Jesus when we leave this place. In his strong and powerful name we pray and all God's people said, amen. So a few weeks ago, I showed you the excellent spiritual practice of breath prayer. And since then, I've actually heard from some of you. Some of you have commented how much it helped you to center on God. I heard from one person that it helped him before he walked into a performance review. I heard from a woman that it helped her to find some calm in a really anxious moment. If you missed that practice, grab this QR code and watch a video we did here at First Pres. It's short, it's like nine, 10 minutes. And it might help you to walk through the formation of breath prayer. I also shared with you that my own personal breath prayer is quite Trinitarian. I get Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit all in there in one prayer. I exhale, thank you Jesus. I inhale, praise you Father. And then I exhale, fill me Holy Spirit. Just back and forth, back and forth. Thank you Jesus. Praise you Father. Fill me Holy Spirit. Now, you may prefer to do the lyrics for a hymn. Or it might be special to you to have a particular Bible passage that you really feel comfortable with. Just something brief and calming. So we're gonna practice breath prayer today before we leap into the passage. We're gonna use our sermon material. You've been hearing it for 12 weeks now. It should be quite familiar. Right there in your seat, just be comfortable. Relax your shoulders. You know, maybe lift up your palms in receipt. Whatever is a, a comfortable posture of prayer for you. And we're gonna breathe. We're gonna inhale and we're gonna exhale these words that you see on the screen. So let's all exhale and say, I am known, and then inhale and say, I am loved. And everyone exhale and say, I am worth dying for. That was pretty good, but we should do it again. Let's just practice one more time. Let's just get comfortable. It's breath prayer. It's just easy, simple. You've got it on the screen. You don't even have to come up with anything. All right, everyone exhale, I am known. 
Inhale, I am loved. Exhale, I am worth dying for. Good job. Now, don't you get too terribly comfortable and calm though. No sleeping during the sermon. Breath prayer is something I want you to have in your spiritual arsenal. If you have this, you are equipped to exercise spiritual formation when you might be in a really tense situation. I've done this sitting in the ER waiting room while my mother or father was being cared for. Um, Students can do this in school silently. No one has to know. It's just between you and God. This is a great thing to teach your children and your grandchildren to do. This is a marvelous thing to have to praise God when something really goes well and you want to offer him praise. So you can do it silently, just like as you breathe in and out, and you can do this at any age. So now church, you have heard through the sermon series as we've given you several different psalms, And as we've gone through each one of our sermons, to practice this by saying together, we are known, right? We are known by our Heavenly Father, and He knows everything about us, and still, we are loved. We are loved so unconditionally that God demonstrated with Jesus on the cross, we are worth dying for. And from the beginning of time through this very day today, we are made in the image of God. And then as image bearers, we acknowledge, we recognize our imperfection, and we know that we are broken. Broken is to be curved in on ourselves. The great reformer Martin Luther acknowledged in the Latin of his day, incurvatus in se to be curved in on ourselves, to be like so very focused on the self. Luther pointed out that the corruption that came with this very first sin in Genesis 3, our natural human posture is to live an inward life. And that is opposed to living an outward life, a life that is upright, living life for God, living life for others. Simultaneously, we accept the instruction in our Holy Scripture to love our God and to love our neighbor as ourself. And one of the tenets that I enjoy of our eco-Presbyterian denomination is that we stand firm in the authority of Scripture. But how do you go about doing that? How do you go about being broken and curved in on ourselves and at the same time standing upright with love for our neighbors, love that's not just for our friends, but for our enemies too. How do you do all of that? We are able to do that when we are a new creation. And Chad's been preaching from Romans 12 about being a new creation, that we are to be transformed, right? We're not to be conformed to this sinful world. We're to be transformed, renewing our mind, renewing our body. And then today I want to share with you Paul's word about renewing our spirit. He expresses this many places in his letters, but today we're going to focus primarily on his letter that's the second Corinthians. We'll be in chapter four, but just a little tee up for you here. The first three chapters... And and right up to chapter 4, verse 13, 
My friend Paul is writing about what it means to be in Christian ministry, what it is like for us in the, the work that, that pastors do in, in our calling. But then he steps out of that and he goes off on a tangent. This is how Paul writes. We call it a parenthetical whenever Paul goes off on a tangent. And this is just his mind at work under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So we'll begin 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. I'm gonna read through verse 18. This is in the New Living Translation. I'm just reading here as Paul switches topics at verse 13. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on what cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so everything that Paul does and endures and suffers is for the sake of others. This is how Paul loves. And at this point in his life, Paul has suffered incredibly. It's a wonder. It's, it's humanly astonishing that the man is still alive. And despite his suffering, because Paul believes in God, Paul speaks. Just like I read in Psalm 116, our psalmist writes, I believed in God, so I spoke. And Paul quotes that here in the passage. This is the faith of the psalmist and of Paul in the midst of trouble. And because we believe in God, because we have faith, we can speak to him. We can cry out to him, praise him, pray to him, just like the psalmist does. And we can speak of God. We can share him with our neighbors. We can preach the gospel as Paul continues to do here. Now, when I was preparing the sermon, I started really digging into the text and into the language. And on looking at verse 13, I learned something new here. The New Testament Greek does not really use the word preach or speak as you might find in your translation. It really means to not be silent. Okay, so Paul is saying we continue to not be silent. We continue to not be silent. His proclamation makes me wonder, how often do we sit silent? 
Essentially, Paul admits that he's working awfully hard. He realizes he's in constant danger. He's wearing himself out, going everywhere and speaking to everyone, but we continue to not be silent. We continue to preach. And the apostle knows death will not destroy him. It will only bring him closer to the Lord. So physically, in his body, Paul is becoming older. He's becoming weaker daily. But spiritually, his soul is young and eager, eager for God. Verses 15 and 16 proclaim that as God's grace reaches more and more people, God will be given more and more glory. He will receive that. So Paul says, that is why we never give up. Though our outward human, if you will, our outward human is being brought to decay, our inner spirit, our soul is being renewed every day while we speak of God and preach the gospel. This is our daily renewing of our soul. This is our spiritual renewal to not remain silent about what our soul is experiencing. And in verse 17, Paul considers that all of his sufferings are slight, momentary afflictions. He says, our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. And all of our suffering, everything that we endure, is in preparation for the incredible, unimaginable glory. It's that brilliant, radiant Shekinah glory that we're gonna have in the next life with Christ. And in the Greek, this glory is considered to be an indefinite word. It's categorized as an indefinite word because our minds are not capable of imagining what this glory with God is really gonna be like. So for this reason, we continue to preach. We continue to pray. We continue to share the good news. We do not focus on the troubles that we can see right here and now. It might help you to think about it the way that the Greeks did in their philosophical thinking of that day. If we, if we put ourselves in their shoes and understand why Paul is speaking this way, he stresses that things that are unseen are eternal. Death is only dismal if you think that nothing is real except for what you can see and hear and touch. And those Greeks would ask themselves, well, how is it that it's neither seen nor heard nor felt and yet it's still real? They had such a struggle with that. And that's why Paul speaks to them here. He wants them to think and consider, is it reality only if it can be weighed on a scale? Is it reality if it can only be measured with a yardstick? He's telling us to fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. These are greater things. These will last forever. Set ourselves free in Christ. It's easier said than done. I know. I know. And I'm going to help you here today. 
Where do we remain silent? When do we freeze up and choose not to speak, not to share the good news? We tell ourselves, I just can't. I just can't do that. Maybe we say, this doesn't really make sense, so I don't know how to tell somebody else. Maybe we tell our Savior, I'm just too scared to be embarrassed about you, Jesus. I'm scared to be rejected because of you, Jesus. Well, and what are those things that we hold on to so tightly that we don't allow for the work of the Holy Spirit to take place in our lives? Do we let guilt, regret, shame prevent us from taking the next step? Do we tell ourselves, it's just been too long since I've prayed? Do we say, I don't see how I can ever go back to Jesus. He, he wouldn't take me now. Hmm. But I believe that if we will release those things, those thoughts, and instead receive the steadfast love of Jesus over the period of a month, from now till Christmas day, just give this a try. If you don't like it, I'll give you another one. <laughs> but just for one month, if we will practice this, we can grow closer and closer to our compassionate God. And as my friend Paul writes, as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory and our spirits will be renewed every day. So the spiritual practice that I want to do with you today has three parts in good Presbyterian order. Each one holds on to something and then releases. So you may do this seated if you prefer, but really you get a lot out of it if you can stand with me, if you are able, if you will please stand. Do what I do, say what I say. Do what I do, say what I say. So for the first part, I stand with my fists clenched like this, like I am in a boxer's stance, I am fighting for what's mine, you can't have it, all right? Fists clenched. And I say, I confess, I confess. My, natural human posture my natural human posture is to fight for myself, to try to make something happen, or to defend. But I choose, as a disciple of Jesus, to open my hands and my life in a posture of surrender. I give over to your Lordship. I give myself to your love. I surrender my preferences and my prejudices. My gifts and my weaknesses. I'm all yours. Isn't it remarkable? That when we stop fighting Jesus, fighting against him, we stop fighting for what we think is ours. And we're freed to be loving. We're freed up to be giving. 
And when we do that, then we receive God's great love for us, his unconditional love for us, and it transforms us. What a gift. For the second part of this daily prayer, I stand with my fist clenched like this in front of my body, about waist high. And I say, I confess my natural human posture is to take, is to hold, is to hang on to, is to keep. But I choose, as a disciple of Jesus, to open my hands and my life in a spirit of generosity, freely I receive. Now, in this position, whether you're standing or sitting, with your palms up and open like this, take a moment and tell God what you need. What do you need? Do you need hope? Do you need healing? Do you need friends? Forgiveness? Finances? Mercy? Do you need love? Courage? Peace? Maybe more love? Grace? Your heavenly Father listens to you and wants to know Tell him what you need. Now say what I say and do what I do. Father God, I freely give. Father God, I freely receive. And everything that I have so freely received, I'm just going to share with everyone around me. Receiving is one of the hardest things that we have to do. We're great about giving. Make a meal for someone, give a smile to someone. That's easy. Giving feels good. But receiving somehow says we are not sufficient. And you know what? We are not sufficient. We are not sufficient on our own. Paul shares with us in 2 Corinthians that only God's grace is sufficient for us. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. We participate in ministry with him and we are willing to let go, willing to receive, and this action renews our spirits. So now for the final part of this daily prayer, I take up this stance with my Arms across my chest, I still have my fists clenched. And if you would like, you may sit down for this part. You say together, I confess, I confess. my natural human posture, natural human posture. Is, to is to spectate, to critique, to, to stand at a distance, to, to say it's not my problem. But I, choose, but I choose, as a follower of Jesus, Jesus to, open posture, to open my posture and my life. And my life. In, a In a spirit of mission, I say to the lost, I to the lost Here, I am. Here I am. I say to the least, I, to the least, 
here I am. I say to those farthest away, here I am. I say to those closest to me, here I am. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You did that very well. This daily prayer of surrender is available to you as a hard copy in the lobby as you leave. We've also made it into a QR code. You can get it online with this. It's just a PDF. It's one page. You can print it out. And as your associate pastor for discipleship and spiritual formation, I earnestly invite you to practice this. If you will do it each day for one month, that takes you from today to Christmas Day. What a way to spend your Advent season releasing and receiving and renewing your spirit. I invite you to come to the very end of yourself and to find Jesus there. Having the daily prayer of surrender in your spiritual arsenal equips you for releasing, for receiving, and for the renewing of your mind, your body, and your spirit. Amen. God of all compassion and mercy, King of kings, Lord of lords, speak to our hearts. Help us to stand before you to release these things that prevent us from having a really deep, meaningful relationship with you, that prevent us from allowing the Holy Spirit to do work in our lives, that prevent us from sharing the gospel of Jesus with others. Release us and renew us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.